Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, as we open up your word this morning, we want to just uh, hear what you have to teach us. So guide my words that they would be accurate to your word or give people uh, the understanding to disregard if I say something in error. Let's pray that this morning we would just see your goodness and that we would celebrate families, these wonderful things that you've put together. Broken, yes, because we live in a sinful world, but still wonderful because you've made them wonderful. And uh, just pray through this time we would... Um, understand even more of your design for families and celebrate the families that we have. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, just happy Mother's Day uh, to those of you who are mothers. And motherhood is not limited just to those who've given birth, but there are so many women who contribute beautifully into the lives of children and youth and even grandchildren and nieces and nephews. And so the contribution that you make is still valuable and wonderful, and we're very thankful for you. Today I want us to look at a passage of scripture that doesn't address mothers specifically, but in more general terms it paints a picture of what a healthy family should look like. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. I don't have it on PowerPoint this morning, so I'm going to count on you to have it in your Bibles uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I want to set the context just a little bit. In Ephesians 5.21, we read that husbands and wives are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When husbands and wives honor Christ and serve one another, that makes a strong marriage relationship. The next several verses then deal more with what the marriage relationship is, the roles of husbands and wives. And now as we begin chapter 6, we see the second most important relationship in the family, and that is the relationship of children and parents. So let's read together Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children, obey your parents. How simple. Straightforward. Four words. And it's directed at children because children should be able to understand that, even from a very early age. This is one of the first commandments that they can really comprehend. Children, obey your parents. No problem, right? Works smoothly in my house. I'm sure it does in yours too, right? In reality, there's a big difference between understanding a commandment and living it out, right? Children, it's not always easy to obey parents, is it? Most of our children went to children's church, by the way, so parents, you're going to have to like, tell them some of this a little later. But why, do, why is it hard to obey? Why is it hard for children to obey? And one reason is clear. We battle sin in our hearts. We can be selfish, simply wanting what we want, when we want it. We might even think our parents are unfair at times. Why can't we skip brushing teeth or doing homework? Why do we have to clean our room when it's only going to get messy again? But does that make it okay to disobey? Of course not. God still calls children to obey parents. Our sinful hearts aren't the only factor that makes obeying hard. The devil knows that God has good intentions for marriage and family, so the devil does everything he can to try to destroy God's good creation. So we have to work with that. We have to know that that's going on. We have to pray. We have to realize that we have to work harder because it is a bit of a spiritual battle in there. But it is what God wants for us. So children, those of you who are still under the roof and under the authority of your parents, obeying parents is a key part of your duty if you really want to follow the Lord. So is it something your parents say? 
It's something God has commanded. Did you notice the next phrase in the verse? Let's read again. Ephesians 6. We read, children obey your parents, but let's keep going. Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obeying parents is part of following the Lord. It obeys God, it honors Him, and it begins a lifetime of obedience. And it's right as we read here. It's right as God defines right, because God is the one that has the ability and the right to define what is right and wrong. And He says that it's right when children obey parents. It's the way things are supposed to be. It is true that in every culture throughout the history of mankind, parents provide for their children, and children listen to and obey their parents. But even more, as followers of Christ, we want to follow God's design, His best design for families. Children are made to obey parents not just because they fear punishment. Children are to obey because it's right. It honors God. And because there are blessings to be gained, which we see in verses 2 and 3. Let's read that. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In these verses, Paul quotes from one of the Ten Commandments, from Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It's the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments. It's the first one in there that deals with family relationships and relationships on a horizontal level. But when Paul says it's the first commandment, I think he's really saying that it is the most important, the most primary commandment. And it's the first one that kids learn because they start obeying this commandment before they can even walk and talk. Honoring father and mother brings reward. In the context of the Old Testament, that reward was a blessing within the land, the promised land. But as Paul quotes it, he expands that blessing and says that that blessing goes to all who honor their moms and their dads. So you may ask, what's the difference between obey in verse 1 and honor in verse 2? It's a good question, and I'm glad you asked. The two words are related, but they're very different in some ways. Obey is the action that springs from the attitude of honor. Honor is broader than obey. Obey is part of it, but not all of it. And obey is directed primarily at children in the home. Honor applies to all of us. So you may ask, how do we know that the command obey is only directed to children? Another good question. Glad you asked. The answer comes from a few verses earlier. Look with me back at uh, verse 31 of chapter 5. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. When a young man or woman leaves the home of their origin, leaves their parents, they form a new family. They move out of the realm of obedience to their parents into their new family, but they never stop honoring. Honoring goes on forever. We're to honor our fathers and our mothers uh, in some ways, it's kind of easy to see what obey looks like because that's outward. What does honor look like? Here are a few quick examples. We ask for and treasure the wisdom and experience our parents share when we make decisions. I know my parents have given me very wise counsel over the years, which I deeply appreciate. While we do not have to do exactly what they tell us, we do value and seek their input, and we take their advice seriously. We speak well of our fathers and mothers to others. We keep in touch with them as far as possible while recognizing that the primary family that gets our attention is our current family here. We still want to be honoring to our parents and keep in touch with them. And we serve them when they have certain needs. So we obey our parents 
while we're under their authority as part of honoring them, then we continue to honor them throughout the rest of our lives. So that's the basic teaching in these verses, but I want to dig a little deeper. I want to look at five key principles, and these are listed in your bulletin, and uh, so you can follow along a little bit. The first is this, it is good and right, but not always easy, for children to obey their parents. It is good and right, but not always easy, for children to obey their parents. It is important to see that this is not something your parents are telling you, not something your pastor is preaching from up front, although he is, but it's something that God is saying. God has put it in his word. There are parts of the word that are directed to children because children can understand and children can respect and children can follow. We see a similar command in Colossians 3.20 where we read, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Obedience pleases God. Starts a lifetime of following Christ. Literally, the word obey means to hear under authority, to hearken to a command, to submit. And the verb is the present imperative, which means it's something that we do over and over and over and over again. That's to be a a pattern, a lifestyle. Obeying parents, children, is part of your commitment to Christ. And not just because your parents have authority over you. We have a higher authority, God, our Heavenly Father. And when we respond and obey our parents, we respond and obey Him because He has told us this is what to do. Learning to obey your parents is part of growing up in God. You ever thought about what Jesus went through when He was on earth growing up? We don't know much about that period at all. We have only one story from His childhood after He was born. And after the wise men visited, we have the one story about the temple. But we do read in Luke 2.52 that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Jesus had to grow just like we all have to. Learning to obey parents is just a very natural part of that, and learning to obey God is part of that. Children need to grow in wisdom, meaning they grow intellectually. They grow in stature, meaning they grow physically. They grow in favor with God, meaning they grow spiritually. And they grow in favor with man, meaning they grow socially. And all of this starts with following the loving guidelines of your mother and father. In all societies, at all times, children are expected to obey parents. But in this passage, Paul gives an added motive that God expects it as part of a healthy Christian household. Then he gives an added incentive that there's reward for following this instruction. What's the reward? Well, quite simply, God blesses obedience. So if we're standing in the place of obedience to God, that's where the blessings come down. If we step out of that area of obedience, the blessings are still over here, but we're not. We're not really experiencing God's greatest blessings because we've stepped out of the way of obedience. We want to be obeying. We want to be doing what is right. We want to be following God. That's for all of us. That's not just for children. That's for all of us. Always wanting to do what is good and right because that's where God pours out his blessings. That's where he touches our lives most. So now, and I do want to clarify, you know, my kids think I'm preaching to them. I'm not. So um, this is for all the children. And it's for us as parents, and we're going to get to parents in a moment, so you're not off the hook. But let me ask a couple of clarifying questions for children. First, is it obeying when we only do half of what we've been asked to do? Is it okay to just clean half of our room and leave the other part messy? No. Is it obeying when we put it off till later? Say mom tells us to set the supper table and we just want to finish our game first. Is that obeying? No. All the parents are shaking their heads. (laughs) In our house, we, we started out with obey, and then we, then we went to obey right away, and then we went to obey all the way right away. 
And that's a saying that my kids, bless their hearts, have heard for most of their lives, obey all the way, right away. Because we want to do it fully, and we want to do it quickly. And that's true, honestly, of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, too, isn't it? If God tells us to do something and we say, oh, let me think about that for a little while, or let me pray about that for a little while, there's nothing wrong with prayer unless we're using it to delay obeying. If God tells us to do something, we want to obey all the way, right away. That's how we relate to our Heavenly Father. Second, in our key principles, it is good and right, but not always easy, for parents to encourage, expect, and enforce God-honoring obedience. It is good and right, but not always easy for parents to encourage, expect, and enforce God-honoring obedience. As parents, we want to set up an environment in our home, an environment that promotes nurture, that encourages obedience. We want to reward children for obedience, and we want to enforce consequences appropriate to the level of disobedience. This is good and right. Why? Because it's our duty, moms and dads, to help our children learn how to obey God. Our children are our primary disciples. Our first discipleship assignment, our biggest discipleship assignment, comes in our homes with our children. We want to teach our children about the Lord. We want to help them learn God's word. We want to live a God-honoring example that they can follow. We want them to learn the joys of committing their lives to Christ. We want them to even share when we're having trouble and we're we're working on something and we're seeking God. Bring the children along in that process at an age-appropriate level. There's a story of a minister who asked a group of children in Sunday school, so why do you love God? He got all kinds of answers, but his favorite answer was this, I guess it just runs in our family. (laughs) I like that. Loving God, following God should run in the family. It should be a natural, normal part of our day each day. We as parents cannot harshly demand respect, but we can hold the expectation that children will give respect as a fundamental part of the family. In truth, children are hardwired to want to please parents. Think about how many times children say, watch me, mommy, watch me, daddy. They want to please. And so if we take that desire to please and help shape it, that becomes obedience. That gives them opportunities to succeed in doing what is good and right. And in our society, we need to teach children how to obey parents, as well as other authorities like teachers, police, coaches. Respect for authority is foundational in a society, and without it, that society will crumble. We teach our children respect for authority, starting with respect for us, and this is our Christian duty. What happens if we don't do our duty? Quite frankly, things can go pretty bad. So parents, we want to stand strong in requiring obedience of our children. We can't allow a child to defy or disobey us for they're simultaneously disobeying God first, but then it also sets up a pattern of saying no. Unchecked disobedience has really bad consequences. There are a couple of passages in the Bible that I want to mention here with that. Romans chapter 1 talks about the gradual decay of a society, and right towards the end of that, it lists a number of characteristics of those who've turned away from God. Here's part of the list. They become slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. That's a sign of a society that's falling into decay, a society that has turned its back on God. Disobedience goes hand in hand with that. It's also, you know, we say that it's not the end of the world, but the Bible actually makes it sound like um, disobedience is a sign of the end of the world because it talks about in the latter days, these things will happen. 
Here's a list out of 2 Timothy. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. That's a sign that the world's coming to an end. It sort of is the end of the world if our children don't learn how to obey. So children, it is your parents' responsibility. And parents, we need to make sure that we're doing our responsibility, that we're helping enforce that in our home. It is God's command. Parents do stand as uh, intermediaries between God and children who haven't yet matured to have an understanding of God yet. So in a way, we are stewarding God's children. We're helping them understand the greatness of God so that they will grow up and learn to love and serve Him with all their lives. And remember that our kids will grow up. One day they'll probably be parents. There's another story about Dustin, age three. He told his mom that when he grows up, his name's going to change. She said, no, it's not. Well, yeah, my name's going to change. Well, what will your new name be? Daddy. And that's true. Our children, in the patterns they learn in our home, will establish their own homes. And so we want to make sure that we're establishing on God-honoring principles. If we let a generation of children grow up without that God-honoring discipline, it will produce a society that's chaotic and destructive. I believe that some of what's going on in our society with the disrespect for police and those in authority, with the disrespect that's happening in the schools, I think it's not being taught well in the homes. And my desire is to see that happen in the homes. Make sure that at least in our homes, the homes over which we have control, over which we have authority, that's where we want to foster that feeling of obedience. Sometimes it is easy to get the authority structure backwards. Uh, There's a story told that when the Duke of Windsor was asked what impressed him most in America, he said the way American parents obey their children. Sometimes it gets upended. We've seen that, haven't we? We've seen that in other families. Hopefully not in ours. Parents, we're in charge. It is our duty, it's our job to help our children learn how to obey, to help them learn what God really intends for their lives, for our families. Third, it is good and right, but not always easy, for us to honor our parents at all times. So here we're moving past the word obedience, we're moving into the greater category of honor. This is the duty of all of us that have parents, which means all of us, to honor our mothers and our fathers. Let's think about what honor is not first. Honor is not, for adults, honoring does not require us to do everything our parents tell us to do. It's not hiding family secrets that have caused pain. It's not needing our parents' approval for our decisions. It's not allowing our parents to do what they choose to do, even though it might hurt themselves or hurt others. That's what would be with not honoring. What would honor be? Honor would be showing respect. Honor would be valuing and appreciating the person for who they are. Honor would be valuing their opinions, even though we don't have to follow them. We ask and we take their advice. Honoring would be serving their needs, whether emotional or physical or financial. The word honor, honor your father and mother from the Ten Commandments, that Hebrew word honor is the same word that's used a number of times through the Old Testament for honoring our Heavenly Father. Honor is a serious thing. It's something that we want to take very deeply to heart. Honoring our parents also opens us up to rewards, which we've looked at a little bit. But we should add an observation. Six times in the New Testament, honor your father and mother is quoted. 
In Ephesians 6, that's the only one where it really talks about the rewards. The rest of it just mentions honoring. We want to honor because that's the right thing to do. The rewards are incidental. They just come along the way. So we don't just honor for the rewards, but they are added. Those blessings do come when we honor. Blessings may not be tangible, may not even be recognizable at some times, but they are very real. And just as real are the dangers if we don't honor our parents well. Just as disobedience signals the downward decay of society, a lack of honoring parents also brings God's judgment. Perhaps you will remember an encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees at one point. The Pharisees were criticizing Jesus, and Jesus pointed out something to them. He said that you are disobeying the commandments. Of course, a good Pharisee would go, of course not. But he was pointing out to them, you say, this money that I have, that my parents need, I'm going to hold aside and dedicate it to God. And... so they can't have it. And Jesus points that out as an example of not honoring parents. And he condemns the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites for doing that. That sounds like a pretty harsh judgment from the Son of God if we're not honoring our parents well. So if we think God's condemnation for not honoring, God's blessing for honoring, surely, surely makes more sense to honor our parents and enjoy God's greatest blessings. I want to take a few minutes to think about what honor might look like in different situations because we each have different situations, different kinds of relationships with our parents, different kinds of relationships with our kids. But here's some ways that honor might be lived out in various situations. If you have Christian parents, it's probably relatively easy to honor your parents, especially if they're really honoring the Lord. They're not perfect, but if they're trying to honor God, it makes it a bit easier to honor our parents. If you have that situation... It's a great blessing. What about a situation where you have non-Christian parents? might be a little bit harder to obey. They could be great people, but at a fundamental level, there's a worldview difference. We believe that God has a plan, that God has things in his hands, and somebody that doesn't yet know Christ may not fully comprehend that. And So there will be a fundamental difference. You can still honor them. It makes it harder if your parents disrespect or even mock faith in Jesus. And some are in situations like that. It makes it harder to honor, but we still want to honor. We still want to honor them for who they are. We want to honor them for the role that they have in our lives as far as possible to develop the best possible relationship with them. You might have parents who were emotionally distant or away from home a lot. You can still honor them as you focus on the positive times more than the negative. You can honor them today by reaching out to them in the ways that you wish they had reached out to you growing up. We can, amend, we can mend those relationships and still make them as good as possible. What about the situation where parents are divorced? It creates hardships, especially for young people, to honor both mom and dad because I've not really heard too many divorced moms and dads speak kindly of each other. And so sometimes it's hard with, with kids to be able to honor both parents. And so if you're in that kind of a situation, even adults with divorced parents... You could still honor each one and develop the best possible relationship and try not to get involved in those talks about, you know, the other parent or motives or anything like that. We want to make sure that we are honoring each parent for who they are, giving them the respect that they're due. There could be a situation where you had an abusive parent or an alcoholic parent. Those situations are really hard. And I was thinking about what does honor look like in that, and the best thing I can think of is this forgiveness. It's probably the hardest thing to do. But we want to forgive if our parents have been hurtful 
abusive. Forgiveness is something that's not deserved. It's seldom asked for, but it is freely given. And if you think about it, that's how God's forgiven us. We didn't know that we needed forgiveness when Christ died on the cross. We didn't know how to ask for forgiveness or apologize yet. But God offered forgiveness, reached out. And we too can do that. We can reach out in forgiveness. It doesn't mean that we say everything's hunky-dory. It doesn't mean that we say, you know, we're just going to have the best possible relationship and spend all our time together now. But it does mean that we forgive. We release them to deal with God for their own actions. And we are free to love them with the best love that we can give them. What about a situation where you have a parent who is aging? We have a whole lot more aging parents that are Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. It's harder sometimes to be able to honor a parent who's aging and maybe not even aging very well. But we can honor them by the way that we take care of them. If you are the primary caregiver for your parent, then care well. Caring well might mean that you have to turn them over into the skilled nursing of another group of people who can do better than we can with medical needs or something like that. And that too is really honoring and taking care of our parents. You might have a parent who's passed away. And perhaps when they passed away, there were unspoken issues and things that were not yet resolved. We can still honor them in the way that we remember them. We can still honor them in the way that we talk about them to others. We can still just focus on cherishing the good memories over the bad. And that just helps honor them for the good things that they did do, even though they may have made many mistakes. If you have a step-parent... Sometimes it can be hard to honor somebody that you don't know, that doesn't have that tight, long, lifelong relationship. But yet, honoring a step-parent, I would put in the same category with honor father and mother. We want to honor them because of who they are, because of the role that they have in our lives. It is important in that situation, too, as best as we can. Of course, each situation is different. These are vast generalities. There are many other situations, and I'm, my prayer has been that God would work in each of our hearts about how we might honor our own parents or how we might develop better relationships with our own children. But here's the key point. We do want to find ways to honor our parents the best way we can, as far as possible. This doesn't mean that we're dishonest about faults. It does mean that we don't hold those faults against them. That's what God expects. That's what He rewards. Fourth, it is good and right, but not always easy, for parents to be honorable at all times. That sort of logically follows what we've talked about, but it also follows scripturally. Let's look in our passage again. Let's look at the very next verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, when I was looking at this, I thought, okay, do I include verse 4 in what I'm doing? And I had so much out of verses 1 to 3, I thought verse 4 really has its own message. I'm not wimping out by skipping it. I actually do want to point out how important it is, fathers and mothers, to raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is our job. And part of that is living a life that is honorable, living a life that points people to Christ, living a life that's full of grace. Let's be honest, parents. We will fail in our responsibilities, just like children fail in their responsibilities to obey. There's a lot of room for grace in a Christian household. Sometimes Mother's Day and Father's Day brings out a huge range of emotions for those 
that might have had some brokenness in their family of origin or in their family that they built with their own children. I often hear about guilt. Can I just say something? There are no perfect parents. Let's not center on guilt from the past. Let's accept God's forgiveness. Let's make the best that we can in the present and build as much as we can for the future. Don't let the past paralyze us, but let's do the best we can in the here and now. I sometimes refer to a family as a group of sinners in the same space. If you think about it, we're all sinners. Sinners are in close proximity. Are gonna, their sin's going to hurt one another. It's, it's just a reality. So there's a lot of room for humility, a lot of room for forgiveness in the home. And this we can do with God's gracious help. Fifth, it is good and right, but it's not always easy. It's not always easy. I've mentioned that several times, but why is it hard? Here are just a few thoughts. One is that there may be complicating factors. There may be estrangement. There may be large geographical distances that make it hard to keep a good relationship. There may be divorces. There may be lack of contact for a long period of time. There may be a long-term illness. There may be a history of hurts or poor decisions. There might be financial irresponsibility in the past that's really hindered the present. These things do make it hard to have good relationships with our parents a generation up or our children a generation down. But again, we want to do it as far as we possibly can. As far as we possibly can. One other thing that might make it hard is there may be broken behavior patterns in ourselves that need to become healthy again. Let me encourage you, it's worth making a fresh start. No matter what has happened in the past, we can make a better present and a better future. Don't give up on those relationships. Don't give up on your kids changing in their, um, the things that they do in the way that they relate to us. And finally, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to mention it yet one more time. There is a spiritual battle. It does make it hard. The world, the flesh, and the devil work against healthy marriages and families. Sin, selfishness, pride, these all come in and they can damage relationships so, so horribly. God has built something good and Satan takes it as his job to tear apart every good thing that God has created. And so he gets in there and he can really make a mess of families. We want to fight against this. We want to pray against this. We want to recognize it for what it is. The battle may not be a physical battle at all or it may not be a, an emotional battle. It might just be a spiritual battle. And maybe the first thing that we need to do is pray. Maybe the first thing we need to do is get on our knees and pray for our family and pray that, that God would work in an awesome and powerful way in our families. The battle rages, but we want to pray and press on. Here's one final thought. The body of Christ is a great place to reinforce these values. I don't know if you've sometimes maybe ever heard me say, but if, if I see a mother tell a child to do something and the child is like, you know, I, I can just see in the child's eyes, they're like, do I want to or not? If I, if I have any, any possibility of doing it, I'll go up to the child and say, okay, it's, you want to obey your mom. This is important. And I'll nudge them in that direction. Little moments like that can be really helpful as we, together as a body of Christ, help children learn how to honor and respect their parents. And we can help them develop that lifelong pattern. The church is a great place for that to happen. Church is a great place for parents to encourage parents. It's a great place for parents to fall apart and say, okay, I'm having a tough time. What did you do when you faced things like this in your home? Because chances are 
There are others here who face those kinds of things too. This is a great place to encourage one another, help one another, strengthen one another, so that we are following these things very well. We may have trouble with our own parents and how we can relate to our own parents. Talk with others that might be in a similar season of life. There may be some wonderful ideas that can be had and some great encouragement in our midst. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for clear instructions in your word. We thank you that through your spirit you give us the power to follow those instructions, even when it might be hard. We do pray for our families. We pray for our mothers and fathers. If they're still alive, I pray that you would give us good opportunities to relate to them, to encourage them, maybe even today to make a phone call. If, uh, if we have whatever relationship we might have with our children, I pray that you would give us good opportunities today to remind our children how valuable they are and how special they are. I just pray that you would strengthen our families. Where there might need to be forgiveness, bring forgiveness. Where there might need to be a fresh start, bring a fresh start. We just pray that you would work in mighty ways in our homes. And we will give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.